Well, this is Father's Day, and, and what, a, what a great day it is. Amen. A day to honor them, and indeed, I'm sure that each family has probably set aside a, you know, some kind of celebration for that. Somebody, I hope, expect, express to you, you know what I mean, your worth and your value. If they haven't yet today, hopefully before the day is done, they will do so. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's pleasing to God to do that. So let me today, as we read some scriptures, uh, I am here today as a recruiter. My message is going to be talking to the fathers. And it is not meant to condemn, but it's meant to inspire. It's to what I think is God is asking you to come to the front lines. As Gordy has said, and we all know that we're in a crisis, we're in more of a just a pandemic virus crisis in America. We are in a crisis of a nation on virtually every front. And God needs fathers. to step to the front line. And so with that, let's read some scriptures and get ready. Forget about yesterday. Let's make a determination what we're going to do be going forward. Time has not passed. It's not over with. Life is not finished. You're still breathing. You're here this morning. By God's grace, you're going to be there tomorrow and the day after. And you know. Nobody wants to die, do they? Uh, all right. I want to talk to people that believe they're going to live. <laughs> Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when they sit in your house. When you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up together. Now, there's just so much in that passage of Scripture. But it sounds like there's a whole lot of family time. Doesn't it? Tell me how you can do any of that without family time. All right, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. 
For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children. That the generation to come might know them. The children who would be born. Notice the generational responsibilities. He's not covering just one generation. He's covering a generation that is, and then there's that which is to be born. He's saying we can't have a disconnect. There can't be a disconnect. It's important. That they may arise. Oh, hallelujah. He's saying that, you know, how are they going to be arise and be the army of the Lord if we don't or someone doesn't before them? That they may arise and declare them to their children. That they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. I believe I can safely commend you as fathers today, you know what I mean, of your job and your role. And so it's not to, to you know, uh, dishearten but I believe there's a father heart of God that fathers, you know, live out the father heart of God, equipping a generation to walk in their God-given identity and, and mission, transferring, you know, the Heavenly Father's heart to the children. I believe that if we train a child, we can change a culture. The word culture means a belief has to do with social reforms, material reforms that affect both racial, religion, and society. In a nutshell, it's a way of life. It's a way of life. So if we train a child, we can change the culture. A call to fathers. America needs your help to build again a godly generation. Or let me say, to enlarge, because there's many godly generations. But to enlarge it and to the point that the culture has
as a renewal. The very word father means that you're a founder. You're to be the foundation. You're an author. You know, fathers like mothers, you're pillars in the development of the child. I'm not telling you anything new. I'm just refreshing your mind with regard to it. It's not one or the other. But you know, you're pillars in the development of a child in which in turn sets the stage for the very way of life. While it is true that mothers seem to be the heart of the family, fathers are the leaders and they're the framers. They're crucial to the family. I was enlightened. I wasn't surprised, but I went to, to the media, as in science, you know what I mean, and those that study in this arena, and I didn't, you know, I could preach a whole message from them. They, they would be agreeing with the word how important the father is. Oh, my I want to give you godly fathers a star this morning. Five of them, fact is, you know. You're crucial. You're vital. The father and his blessing in the scripture was so paramount that when, when Esau didn't receive a blessing, he pleaded with Isaac. Why? Because it had a projection in his life. It had such an impact. The Father, I want to hear your words. Tell me about it. It impacts future generations. Think about that fathers are the authors of the home. No, I'm not sliding the woman. Someone says that he may be the head, but she's the neck that turns the head. So let me tell you, you know, uh, I am one. <laughs> I am married. <laughs> you know, and uh, I say yes, dear, a lot. <laughs> But the father is the headwaters of the family's river that flows. It's, it, it, he he de determines the spiritual level of the family. And society has, has went ahead and, and, and almost left that spiritual role to mothers. But we need you both. He's the priest of the home. 
I want you to be a teaching priest. Fathers are to lead, to love, to be loyal, to look after, to be a living example. Fathers are to keep learning. Yes. And fathers are to really live with their family. Really live with the family. One thing I learned in, in that study, that fathers play a key role in the emotional development of children. When fathers are fa- affectionate and supportive, it instills a well-being and a confidence in them. An event that might have happened. It might not be something that, you know what I mean, is that a regular repetition, but, but an event that made, might have happened that just went ahead and, and, and fortified you. Some of you have heard this story about me, you know what I mean? And, and my parents generally always, you know, you know, spoke to us and called us by name. You didn't dare just say son because you'd have, you know, how many? Eight running after, you know, <laughs> responding. <laughs> but a very impact that happened in my life with my father was, the, was when he would say son. Now that, that worked for me. It worked for me. You know what I mean? It spoke to me about an endearment, a, 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 a you know, a, a personalized. He was speaking about our relationship. He wasn't just trying to get my attention, you know? Because if he said, Don, either something was wrong or there was work to do. <laughs> I didn't like either one of them. <laughs> but in Psalms 103, as a father pities or loves, you know, he's tender to his children, so the Lord loves those that fear and worship him. Seems like those go together. Frontline, why? Fathers, according to the research, sets the bar for relationship with others. Not only influence who we are inside, but also how we associate on the outside. Help us, it helps us to grow in our relationship. As you step to the front line this morning, a fresh and a new, and my fathering days are over, but my father role is not. We used to say, poor Don. (laughs) Anyway, as a good father, as a father that is exemplifying the Heavenly Father, you will give good gifts to your kids. Matthew 7 and 9. What man is there among you if your son asks for bread, you will give him a stone? 
Or if he asks for a fish, you will give him a servant. Or if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those, to those who ask him? See, they should be getting gifts from two fathers. Oh, your fathers are just too quiet. I'm not, you know, I'm not telling you what the gift should be. I'm not telling you the price tag that should be on it, so, you know, loosen up. Is it good? Because as they, as you give good gifts, they in turn learn that the Heavenly Father gives good gifts. Because He gives good gifts. And he wants that child to open up for the best gift that he has to offer. And that is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Somebody give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. When we give good gifts, it opens up the door of our receptivity. Their expectation, you know is something good. I believe that the power of a father, they can turn the sins of the fathers around to a blessing. You know the passage of scripture that says, it says he will visit the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. Number one, it tells you that if the father goes, so goes the family. That is really what that scripture is saying. God is not saying that if the father sins, then the children also are going to have to pay a penalty. It does not say that. Now, in first reading, it appears that way. But if you look at Deuteronomy 26, uh, 24 and 16, it states that the father or the son are not held accountable for the sin of the other. You probably hadn't heard that before. Come to the front line. Hallelujah. You don't have to be held in bondage to anyone else but yourself. Thank the Lord. I mean, I kind of like that. That's good news to me. Those children are the legacy and the future. They're your legacy and they're our future. 
we would agree today that society has seen an alarming decline in moral direction and spiritual values, right? How do you get it back? You teach it to a generation. <laughs> you teach it to a generation. When a society believes that they have outgrown their need for God. This society that sees that science reigns supreme. Science is the arbitrator of all the important questions of life. Where did that come from? Institutions of higher learning. Promote the idea. Does that mean you don't send your kids to institutions of higher learning? No. It means that you must Is a big word, immunization. <laughs> Them against it. Hallelujah. You prepared them for it. It's what's called as knowing your enemy. Know your enemy. Don't be ignorant of his advices, his devices. Bold as a lion and harmless as a dove. You see, the Bible still is the authoritative in what God stands behind. You're building a ladder by which children can know the Heavenly Father. Build a ladder, a step. Because they're they're the next generation, they're the caretakers of the future, and they're the ambassadors of the gospel. Careful attention, consideration. It's got to go in to the values that we instill in them. Because Proverbs 27, 19 says, as the water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. You shall get it in their heart. Oh, hallelujah. You're not trying to just make them smart. You're trying to give them, you know, the right heart. At some point, they need to be open to a heart transplant. Because they don't come with a heart of flesh. They come with a heart that has the ability to harden. 
Jesus needs to get to their heart. I will take out the heart of stone. Now we use it as a, you know, almost a, you know, heart transplant, but life has taught me that, you know, it's one chamber at a time. No, that's chamber, you know what I mean? That's wrong. Here's what's right for that chamber. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You ain't going to get it into them all in one setting. So how can we mold them to be responsible, God-loving, and God-fearing children? Is that what you want? Is that what you want for your grandkids? Is that what you want for the generation after your grandkids? Someplace along the line, there has to be an input. There's a song that the kids used to sing way back. Input, output, what goes in must come out. That's how we established it back then, you know? Back simply to the basics. Yes. That development does not lie with the generation that we're trying to develop. It lies not with the child, nor does it lie with the teachers or the law enforcement, the daycare agencies. or all the helps that are available to us. We must not farm out our responsibilities. Don't farm them out. God wants you to step to the front line. Be the main voice. Be the main image setter. begin to author what their life is going to be by what the seed that you plant and the heart that you give them back to the basics. You shall teach them. How do we know if we're going in the right direction or the wrong direction? I did not write this. Now the works of the flesh are evident. 
which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and heresies, and envy, and murders, and drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I told you beforehand, just as I told you in times past. You know that's the wrong direction. What do you do if you're going the wrong direction? You try to get some new direction. <laughs> but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Earth doesn't have one and heaven doesn't have a law against that. Melchiah 4 and 6 said there would come a time when there needed to be a reconstitution, in other words, a building again that would arrive in a generation. And I believe that we have almost arrived at the, at the, the full corn in the stock. So there's going to come a time when hearts of the fathers are, need, are going to be needed to turn to the children and the hearts of the children back to the fathers. Has, we're going to be, have to build it again. A call to bring back the blessing. Yes. Oh, Hallelujah. I do not, because it's not healthy for me to, to, to overly weep over the mistakes of my past, but to go ahead, hallelujah, and lay the stones that make for the better future, the God future. Absolutely. There's a book out that says you train, train a child <clears throat> and you change the world. I've not read the book. I have heard about the, the book and I'm sure it's wonderful. God has entrusted his church with a sacred and eternal treasure. You would agree with that? That the hope for the world is the church fulfilling its mission. But the hope for the church is the family that lives out the gospel. And the hope for the family is the father who leads by living the gospel. Somebody give the Lord a praise today. Hallelujah. Whether you are a father, will be a father, wherever it is in the spectrum of life. Live it out. As my musicians come this morning,
let me tell you a little story. Because in the institution of higher learning, this philosophy has permeated and greatly affected the home in the role. An English poet, Coleridge was his name. He was talking to a man who, who didn't believe in giving little children any religious instructions. His theory was that the child's mind should not be prejudiced in any direction. But when he came to years of discretion, he should be permitted to choose his religious opinions for himself. Good luck with that one. Mr. Coolidge said nothing, but after a while he asked the visitor, You'd like to see his garden. And the man said he would. And Coolidge took him out into the garden where only weeds were growing. The man looked at Coolidge in surprise and said, Why, this is not a garden. There's nothing but weeds here. Well, you see, sir, Mr. Coolidge said, I did not wish to infringe upon the liberty of the garden in any way. I was just given the garden a chance to express itself and choose its own way. If you spend no time in training, you will spend all your time in correcting. The more you train, the less you'll have to correct. Stand with me this morning. As I started out, a recruiting to the front lines. I've endeavored to show you how important your frontline mission is. How important it is. Do you have to make some corrections as you look at it? I appeal to you to make them. Make some adjustments. If you see that you're hitting the target, stay on target. God's not here to condemn. But our nation is in a crisis. And it is not going to come by virtue of laws passed in the higher, you know, leadership of this nation. It's going to come from generations that have been raised up, who change the culture, who have a belief system, who have a value system.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm talking to the men today. Why? Because we have to change if things are going to change. We have to change if our kids, you know, are going to be changed. <laughs>